0: Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit SouthElkhornCC.org. What a great, great day to share in worship together. God's love, God's presence is here this morning, and I am grateful to share in that with you. Uh, In a moment, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles and go hunting for a very, 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 very short book of the Bible. A few years ago, when I came to South Elkhorn, I got this idea that maybe once a year it would be possible to read an entire book of the Bible, but not wanting to do what I've heard some pastors do, which is a a four-and-a-half-year sermon series through Romans. You're welcome. Uh, I, I instead looked for books of the Bible that perhaps we could tackle in a Sunday or a couple Sundays, or at most four weeks, and so have enjoyed reading the book of Ruth with you, reading Jonah, and this Sunday I decided to move into the New Testament and and lift up for us this letter which we can read in one sitting. So today, here in church, you're gonna read an entire book of the Bible, all 25 verses of the letter to Philemon, the letter to Philemon. Now I was talking with uh, Jack McAllister, an elder and, and Sunday school teacher, before service today, and he said, I bet that most people sitting in the room today or tuning in online today have never even heard of or maybe never even read this letter. I think he's probably right. Show of hands, how many of you even knew that Philemon was in the Bible? Okay, no, I'm just kidding, don't do that. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> bless you, bless you, bless you, yeah. Um, this, is, this is a small letter tucked at the very end of the New Testament. The reason why it's at the end of the New Testament, Paul's letters are ordered in the New Testament from longest to shortest. From Romans, the longest in the New Testament to the book of Philemon, the letter to Philemon. Again, 25, 25 verses. Now today, when, as we read this together, we, it, it may become apparent to you why perhaps not only did you not know it was there, but maybe you've never heard it preached on before. Because the subject matter, while profound, might be a little unsettling. We might not be entirely... Clear or comfortable with how Paul treats the issue that is before us in this letter. And yet it is so incredibly important that we as church acknowledge and read and wrestle with what Paul is wrestling with in this letter. So I invite you this morning to turn with me to the letter to Philemon, found at the back of your Bibles, right before the letter to the Hebrews. And if, like me, today you need some readers to help you, that's okay. You'll help helping me not feel alone. Let's read together this, this letter from Paul. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker. Verse two is important, something that I didn't catch when I had read this letter before and that I've been wrestling with a lot this week and it may seem strange and silly but I think it's incredibly important. This letter is written not just to Philemon. It's for Philemon and as we'll see in a few moments Paul's going to be singularly addressing Philemon but this letter was read at church. This is an open letter. To Philemon, our dear friend and co worker, to Aphea, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Paul does what Paul do, often does in his letters. He, pauses for a minute minute to offer some thanksgiving. When I remember you, you singular, Paul often is talking about all y'all, knowing that the letters are gonna be read for the whole church. So when you see the word you in Paul's letters, just know that it's usually plural, but not here. Not here. When I remember you, Philemon, in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though, I love this, Paul's funny, y'all, so just just hear this out, okay? I want you to hear this like, oh, maybe like a parent. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, I can tell you you're just supposed to do it, all right? Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. I am lifting up to you this this person who I'm referring to with my own family language. This one who has become like a child, and I like a father. Perhaps as this person has found faith, and we have grown close during my imprisonment. This letter penned by Paul in prison. We know that Paul was in prison perhaps multiple times throughout his missionary journeys in Rome, maybe this in Ephesus. Paul's writing this letter to Onesimus, read for the church, lifting uh, to Philemon, lifting up Onesimus for the whole church to hear. For merely he was useless to you. Paul's clever. The word, the name Onesimus means useful. So he's doing this really fun kind of Play on words. Formerly, this person whose name is useful was useless to you, maybe. But now he is indeed useful. He is fully his name. He is fully who he is, both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. Listen to this. I am sending my own heart back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Though I could tell you you're just supposed to do it, right? But I just want to, want you to know this is your chance to do the right thing on the basis of love. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever. And now we get a glimpse, there were little clues, but this really helps us see Onesimus' status. Who is Onesimus no longer as a slave but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul is writing this letter to Philemon, who owns a slave named Onesimus, who is returning to Philemon, and Paul is writing this letter that Onesimus might be received might be received with love and dignity and perhaps something else. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Don't welcome him as an enslaved person, property at your disposal. Welcome him like you would welcome me, a partner in the gospel, a precious child of God in the grace and mercy seen through Jesus Christ. If he he has wronged you in any way, I mean, if you're that petty that you're keeping tabs of how long he's been away from you and he's given you lost time and wages and so therefore you're keeping, if you're that petty, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I love this about Paul. If there's any doubt, I want you to know I'm writing this letter. It's not a scribe. I'm writing this with my own hand. I mean it. I'm sincere. I will pay whatever if that's how you're gonna be. I say nothing, I mean, I'm just saying, I say nothing about you owing me even your own self. Paul, you just said it. Yes, brother, let me have the benefit from you in the Lord, refresh. Remember how Philemon refreshed Paul, refreshed the saints. Now Paul invites Philemon to keep doing this work of refreshment. I'm writing to you knowing you will do even more than I say. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of the fact that you have listened to me, of your obedience. I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. And one thing more, I'm coming to visit. Prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. When I get out of this prison cell, I'm going to come see. I'm going to come see you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends greetings to you and so, do, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Deimos and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Swartz and Truber. When I think about being called out I'm reminded of that voice from my high school calculus teacher, who every time he saw me talking to the person next to me when we were supposed to be diligently working on our assignment or had his back and heard someone talking and assumed it was me, perhaps loved the poetry of my name and would just in this rumbling voice for everyone to hear say, and Truber Do you know what it's like to be called out? for someone to call you out in front of others. I suspect this is Paul calling out Philemon, calling him out from the church to stand before the church in the subject matter of this letter to hear what Paul has to say. Talk about social pressure. I could tell you what the right thing is to do, Paul says, but I'm gonna let you make that right decision. And everybody's watching. Do you know what it's like to be called out? Now that I'm a parent, I know what that's like on a regular basis. I, I, we are doing our best, our diligent best, Rebecca and I, in, in, in parenting our children to try and help them when they get angry and upset and activated and are all kinds of worked up. We know that we can't parent, we can't redirect, we can't do what we need to do until everyone's a little bit more calm and collected. And so we've been working on taking a timeout, not a timeout as punishment, but just a timeout to go to our room to kind of collect ourselves, to calm down, so then we can address what we need to address. And sometimes, I'll admit it here, sometimes my kids activate me. And I get a little worked up. And I lose my cool. And my kids say, hey daddy, I think you need a timeout. I know what it's like to be called out. Called out because my kids now know that it's good for everybody to take some time to calm down and collect themselves. It's good for me, I can parent better when I'm not activated and flooded and triggered by whatever my kid just said or did. I know what it's like to be called out and it can be uncomfortable to be called out. I have that choice, that dilemma as a parent. Do I react and tell my kid not to tell me what to do or do I say, you're right, dad needs a moment? (laughs) I'm gonna go step aside and catch my breath. In my best moments, my better moments, that's me, I take a minute to step aside, cool down, catch my breath so that I can parent well the way I need to parent. I don't know what Philemon did. I don't know what that was like to be called out in the ancient Roman world where many people owned slaves. To have Paul say, I'm confident you'll do the right thing, that you'll receive this person back to you, this person who's been enslaved, who has been doing your bidding, who's been named this useful, as if the only thing that matters about this person is what use he can bring to his master, I'm sending him to you, fully believing you will do the right thing. Talk about being called out. I wonder what Philemon did. Now, as we read this letter, perhaps like me, you you notice something that I hadn't noticed before, which is, Paul goes to great lengths to do all kinds of tricky, playful things with this letter, to talk out of one side of his mouth and the other. I'm not going to tell you about this, but I just did, because I said it. And I'm going to tell you that you should do this, but I want you to make that decision for yourself. I'm going to write this letter so that everybody can see what's going on, and this decision is now public in front of this church that you're committed to and and that you've been shaped by. The one thing I wish Paul would have done, I really wish Paul would have done is say, and slavery is wrong. And the institution of slavery is not what the gospel is all about. I wish, I so wish he had done that. I think that Paul's given us every foothold to find our place to make that proclamation, to make that statement. Paul talks about the, the deep connection in heart and flesh and in the Lord Jesus Christ that this child of God, Onesimus, is worthy of dignity and respect and honor and gives every signal and every suggestion that what Philemon is supposed to do is not only not punish, punish him or hurt him or exploit him, but I think release him. Give him his freedom. I wish Paul had just said it directly because, because Paul didn't, this letter has been used and weaponized to justify the institution of slavery here in America, here in the United States. Indeed, there were white slaveholding ministers who stood before uh, congregations of enslaved people. Especially after the passing of the uh, Fugitive Slave Act in the 19th century, to say, here we find in Scripture warrant for slaves obeying their masters, for enslaved people being returned, and the discretion being entirely up to the master slaveholder. Unfortunately, this passage of scripture was weaponized as proof text for why the institution of slavery was sanctioned by God and why the apparatus of the U.S. government's laws was divinely decreed. I wish Paul had just said it outright. Slavery is not compatible with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the grace and mercy of God, with the divine, image-bearing identity of every human person. I think everything is there in this text. He just doesn't take that step. But we can. And perhaps Philemon did. We don't know. That's for us to wrestle with. That's for us to wonder and imagine. I think think at the heart of this letter is freedom. The, The heart of this letter is God's desire for each and every human person to be free, for Philemon to be free from this institution which degrades him just as it degrades those who are enslaved. I think it's God's desire to free those who are oppressed and imprisoned and captive Jesus declares in Luke four, I am here to declare the good news of the Lord's favor to set the captive free. I think every foothold is there for us to find our footing and yet the Bible full of the spirit invites us to take a step and I needed to be freed from some of my own ignorance. I had no idea as I was, we just had election, uh, the elections this Tuesday, and I was reading, I was learning that there were states that had on the ballot the rejection of slavery. Did you hear about this, read about this? I had no idea that in some states, it is still, it is still in, the, in the Constitution or there are laws in place that allow for slavery, usually in the following way. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery except for the punishment of a crime. And in many places, including Kentucky, that is still true. In Montgomery, Alabama, there's a a legacy museum um, that says slavery was not abolished, it evolved. And it metastasized into the penal system in such a way that laws were passed to more easily um, convict black people and throw them into prison where they could be slave labor again. And indeed became the basis for Jim Crow laws and this long legacy of of how slavery has metastasized because the truth is, and you and I know this in a deep and personal way, and have probably seen this play out if we're attentive students of history. There are all different kinds of ways to dehumanize and exploit and hurt people, to profit off that, to set up communities and families and arrangements based on that. And while in my heart of hearts I thought the 13th Amendment meant there was no more slavery, what I learned as I engaged with the subject matter of slavery through this letter was that slavery did not end, it evolved. And so we have the opportunity to sit as Philemon did having been called out by this letter. Called out from our apathy, from our ignorance, from our indifference, to believe with all our heart the gospel of Jesus Christ that every person is made in the image of God and deserves the life and dream, healing and wholeness that God dreams for each and every one of us, that everlasting salvation, healing, wholeness. And as long as slavery is not abolished but has only evolved, we've got work to do. It got me thinking and wondering, I've got a lot of learning left to do, but I wonder if perhaps prison reform is the 21st century abolitionist movement. It's got me wondering all the ways that I've been blind and ignorant to the long legacies of slavery and racism in our country. And while that can feel overwhelming, and while we might not know what the best next step is, I think this letter invites us, invites us to rest in the love of God for each and every person, including us, and to join with Paul in figuring out how we can use the resources that we have to free others. To lean into love to trust that we are not doing this alone, but we are doing this in a church community with others, that we are doing this as part of a wider network called the body of Christ, to learn and to lean into love. I don't know what Philemon did, but I'd like to think there's a little evidence about what he might have done. Saint Ignatius of Antioch wrote about a person named Onesimus, who became the bishop of Ephesus at the end of the first century. And I'd like to think even as Philemon felt called out, I'd like to think that even as Philemon might felt resentful and might have felt concerned about how this might affect him and it might affect his household, how it might affect his family, how it might affect, I'd like to think that even if he was frustrated all the ways that he could see Paul being clever in his letter, that he saw the rock on which Paul stood, the love of God in Jesus Christ, which is for all people, which makes us equal as brothers and sisters. And from that, Philemon did the only thing he knew he could do, release Onesimus. And trust the grace of God to carry him from there. At the end of this letter, uh, at the end of this letter, there's a word that in the, some ancient manuscripts is there and I found especially meaningful. And it's the word I'd like to end with today. It means simply, truly. I speak to you in truth. It's the word Amen. Thanks for listening to The Message this week. Visit Southelcorncc.org, where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.